Well, uh, we're going to be reading uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. So if you've brought your Bible with you, this will be a time to open it up. It'll be in the latter third of your Bible in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, first book of the New Testament. Um, we're going to be starting from verse 17. Give you a bit of time to find it if you've got it in your physical Bible or digital Bible. Uh, it'll be up on the screen if, uh, if you don't have it there. Reading Matthew chapter 4 from verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Well, good morning, every person. Great to see you all here. Uh, my name is... Craig, I'm one of the ministers here. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are and everything that you have done for us. Father, we thank you for the way that you treat us. We thank you for all that you have given us, especially in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray now as we come to look at him and hear his words, Father, we pray that you'd help us to understand what he has to say and that we would understand what it means and that you would you would use these words to strengthen us and we pray that in his name amen well imagine that you had gone out to watch the NRL grand final and you had because you wanted to see the Penrith Panthers play and win and you had gone <laughs> to a core stadium and you had your seats and you found them up the top and you, you know, um, scooched past everyone and, and you found your seats and you were sitting there waiting, waiting to watch the game. And while you're sitting there looking around at things, waiting for things to start, you looked around just to see who was next to you that way and next to you that way and you... See, you spot down this way a bit, someone who looks an awfully lot like Nathan Cleary, the captain of the Penrith Panthers. You know, the jaw, you can spot his jaw a mile away. <laughs> and, and then you see next to him, someone who looks like Isaiah Yo, the other captain. And then next to him is To'o and Taruva and the whole team is there. Everyone's there. Dylan Edwards is there, everyone's there. And Ivan Cleary's there, the coach. And you think to yourself, this is mental. They, they should be down in the sheds down there, walking around half naked, getting stuff rubbed on them or whatever they do down there <laughs> to get ready for the game. And so you think to yourself, this is crazy. And so you think, all right, I'm going to go over. I'm going to ask. So you kind of, you shuffle yourself over a few seats and you say, 
Nathan Cleary, great to meet you, big fan. This might be a stupid question, but what are you doing here? And imagine he then says to you, we're here to watch. We're here to watch the grand final. We're here to watch the game. And then you, you say to them, but you, you, you can't, you can't be up here. You are the game. You can't be watching it from up here. And he's like, yeah, but I mean, it's so hard down there on the field. You have no idea. You, it, it's hot down there. You get puffed. It's very painful, stressful. It's nice up here. We're going to watch it from up here. You can see the whole ground. This is a great view. Isn't, wouldn't that be absolutely crazy? When players act like they're spectators, that is absolutely bonkers. Now, the question is, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to following Jesus, are we spectators or are we players? Or are some of us, some of us are players and the rest of us are spectators? Is it that, you know, the ministers and the preachers and the missionaries, they're the players and the rest of us are the spec, spectators. We, we support them and cheer them on and encourage them and they go play the game. Is that how it works? Or is it that there are some of us in this room who are like the super spiritual people and they're the players? They go do all the amazing things. And the rest of us, where we watch, we're the spectators. We encourage them and cheer them on and encourage them. And they're the ones who play. Well, what I want to show us this morning from Matthew chapter 4 is that, in fact, none of us are spectators and that all of us are players. Because the truth is that when Jesus calls you to come and follow him, he calls you onto his team. And when he calls you onto his team, he calls you not to be a spectator, but to be a player. And so what we're going to see this morning is that we're not spectators, we're players. We don't watch, we are the game. Last week, if you were here, we saw that the overall plan, the, the big picture strategy for our church is the same one that Jesus had in Mark chapter 3, is the same one that Paul had in Ephesians chapter 4. That is the strategy, the overall plan is prayerfully bringing our friends to Jesus, lovingly building each other up in Jesus, and then joyfully sending us out for Jesus. That's the overall plan. And last week we started in the middle with build, building each other up. And we saw that the way that we build each other up is by speaking the truth in love to each other. And now this week, we're looking at the next piece, send, being sent out for him. And the thing that we're going to see is that there is more to life than just the usual grind. There's, there's more to life than just that, that there's a mission that we're on. There's a there's a mission that Jesus has entrusted to us, that your life is caught up in something much bigger, much more important, much more interesting, much more challenging, much more exciting, much more fun than just chores 
and exams and work and sport and bills and family gatherings. That whoever you are and whatever skills you might have or you might not have, however important or unimportant you might think you are, no matter how smart or not smart you might feel, no matter how competent or incompetent, no matter how useful or useless you might feel that you are, that if Jesus has called you to himself, then he has called you onto his ministry team. And if he has called you onto his ministry team, then you're not a spectator. You're a player. And this, this matters because there are some of us who are still sitting in, in the grandstands. Some of us are still on the bench. And it's time for us to get out of the grandstands and to play on the field because we're not watching the game. We are the game. So let's see this for ourselves. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to see Jesus in action very briefly. We're going to look at one of the very first times that he calls anyone to come and follow him. And what I want is for us to watch him and listen closely to what he says. So Matthew chapter 4, starting from verse 17. Matthew says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So here's Jesus just striding into the picture, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of heaven is near. That is, the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom from heaven. And the kingdom from heaven is about the king from heaven. This is what people had been longing for and waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They were waiting for this time when God himself would decisively break into history and re-exert and re-establish his kingship in the world and that when he did that he would make and put everything right and that moment Jesus says has arrived in him and so he heads out and he calls his first followers his first disciples and notice carefully what he says to them he says follow me and I will forgive your sins That's actually not what he says. He says, follow me and I will give you eternal life. He doesn't say that either. Follow me and I'll give your life a purpose. Follow me and I will fix all your problems. Follow me and I will give you inner peace and comfort. Follow me, I'll give you a community that you can belong to. Jesus doesn't say any of those things. Now, they might all be good things. Some of them might even be true. But it's not what he says. 
What he says is, verse 19, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Come, follow me and I'll give you a job to do. That's what Jesus says. Now, I think about that, and I don't know about you, would you do it like that? Is that what you would say if you were him? If, if I was there and I was Jesus' marketing PR manager, would, is this what you would go with? If I was, his, if I was helping him, I'd be like, Jesus, come here. It's, this is not a very good, this is, I can see what, I can see where you're coming from. I, I like what you're trying to do here. I can see there's some good in here. I just, I don't think that's going to cut it. I think you need to sweeten the deal. You've got to tell them what's in it f- for them. Don't just tell them got a job for them. No one will, no one will come. But that's what Jesus says. And it works immediately. They left their nets and they followed him. Like it is true that when you follow Jesus, he will forgive your sins. It is true that when you follow Jesus, he will give you eternal life. It is true that when you follow him, he will give you purpose and direction for your life. It is true that when you follow Jesus, he will give you a community, a community for you to belong to. All that's true. It's just, it's not what he says. When he calls you to follow him, he calls you onto his team. We saw it back in week one. Deny yourself, take up your cross, carry your own coffin, follow me. Same thing. Because we're not spectators, we're players. And he gives us a job to do. I mean, have you ever wondered if the whole point is for Jesus to take people to be with God in heaven then why doesn't he just as soon as you put your trust in Jesus why doesn't he kill you immediately then you can go to heaven and be with God and there's no risk that you'll fall away there's no risk that something you'll change your mind it would just be locked in if that's the objective the reason is that's not the objective The reason is we have a job to do. We have a mission to fulfill. And the job is to fish for people. And what does that mean? What does it mean to fish for people? Well, it means being sent out into the world. That's what it means. It means the the point of it is that you want to see other people come to find in Jesus what you have Found in Jesus. You want to see people treasure him the way that you treasure him. The point is, you want to see people come to see him the way that you see him, as Lord and King and Saviour and treasure. It's that you want them to put their trust in him the way that you have put your trust in him. Because Here's, here's, the, here's the trap. The trap is it's so much easier to spend time with other Christian people. 
And you can spend so much time hanging out with good, lovely Christian people that you just never really get around to ever spending time with people who don't yet know Jesus like you do. And you can spend, it's easy to spend all your time having lovely, warm, beautiful, encouraging, blessed, spiritual, like-minded fellowship with all your Christian friends at all your Christian activities where they all think like I do and they talk like I do and they act like I do and they look like I do and where they all love me and support me and agree with me and we can forget that there's a whole bunch of other people out there who don't know Jesus the way that I do and who are scratching and clawing to find the things that he offers them everywhere else except for him. That's the job. You might um, remember at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives his disciples what we call the Great Commission where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then you may also remember in the book of Acts, we're told what then happened next. And do you remember what happened next? What happened was no one went anywhere. They all stayed in Jerusalem. Do you remember this? And then it wasn't until persecution came and God forced them out of Jerusalem that they went anywhere else to tell anyone else. That's a very striking historical detail. The trap has always been. The challenge is that it's so easy to get focused on hanging out together and being refreshed and being encouraged and being equipped and being trained that we never actually get around to doing the actual mission. We never get around to actually doing the job. You know how it's so much easier to do a course on evangelism than it is to actually talk to a friend about Jesus? You know how it's easier to do like a Bible study on helping the poor than it is to actually go and help the poor? You know how it's way easier to hear a sermon on discipleship than it is to actually go and disciple someone. That's the challenge. But we build each other up by speaking God's truth in love so that we can send each other back out into the world. And when we say we send each other out, what we're mainly, primarily thinking about is sending us back out into the world, back out into our friends, families, workplaces, sporting teams, unis, sending us back out to go live like Jesus and love like Jesus and speak about him. That's what we're talking about. And then we're we're built up in our growth groups and then sent back out again and we're built up here on Sundays and then we're sent back out again. Being sent out isn't primarily about being sent out to another country. 
We're not primarily talking about being sent out to Cote d'Ivoire, although it might mean that. And we're not, it's not primarily about going to Bible college. It's not primarily that we send people out to a church plant. It's not primarily that we send people out when they move house and they move to another church and they go to that church. It is those things, but it's not primarily those things. It's about being sent back out into the world. But at the same time, don't get confused. No one will stay at this church forever. None of us will be here forever. Our goal, my goal for every individual person in our church is that when you leave, you leave this place treasuring Jesus more than when you arrived and trusting him more when you leave than when you arrived and that you would be more equipped to be more helpful at the next place you end up in. Not if you leave, but when you leave. Because all of us eventually are going to leave this church. It'll either be because A, Jesus returns, B, we move house and we move to a different church, or C, we die in the hospital or we die in the old folks home. But none of us will be here forever. All of us are going to leave eventually. It's not if, it's when. But primarily, what we're talking about is not those moments of more permanent sending. We're talking about being sent back out into the world, into our workplaces and family and friends to live like Jesus and love like Jesus and talk about Jesus. And when we're sending out, it's not begrudgingly and it's not fearfully, it's joyfully. Joy is a big deal. Joy is a very serious matter. And we send each other joyfully back out into the world. Next week, we're going to talk about prayerfully bringing our friends to Jesus. But for here, now, what we need to see is that we're being built up in him to be sent out for him. But I can imagine you possibly sitting there thinking to yourself, you don't understand. I I don't feel like I can do this. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a great person to have on the team. Um, I don't feel like I can contribute very much. I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too afraid or I haven't been a follower of Jesus for very long. Uh, I've got other issues that I'm kind of dealing with in my life. I'm not going to be much use. Or maybe you're there and you're like, I'm, I'm the only person in my whole family who follows Jesus. I'm the only one in my whole workplace. who. Do- How can just one of me stand up against all of that? And if that's you, I think, I think what, I would, what I would say is 
make sure that you remember that you don't do it by yourself. God is 100% with you. At the end of the Great Commission, the final line is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And at the start of it, he starts the whole thing and he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And we often talk about the middle part, the like therefore go bit, and that's very important. But in, in, in my view, the start and the end are even more important. When you go, when Jesus calls you to himself, he promises that he will be with you and that he will help you and that he will empower you. And so you don't do it in your own power. And so you are never by yourself at the minimum it's always at least a two-person team. It's you and God, minimum. And if that's it, if it's just you and him, mate, you can do anything. What a team. Remember earlier we preached from 2 Corinthians and we saw in chapter 4 that we, uh, we have treasure in clay jars. Remember that? You are a jar of clay. I'm a plastic bag. And the point of that is to show that the power doesn't come from us, but that the all-surpassing power comes from him. And so I think what I, would, what I would say is if you feel inadequate, not enough, I think I would tell you beware because you are the exact kind of person that God loves using. And then maybe you're here and you're keen for the game and you're ready to tackle the mission. What do I do? What do I need to be? What's the next thing? Well, here, here's the one thing I think that you might do. There's lots of things you could do, but here's one thing that you might do. Being a player on Jesus' team means being a prayer. Players are prayers. And so the one thing that I would suggest that you would do if you wanted to do something is that you simply write down three friends, family who don't yet know Jesus like you do. And then you commit to praying for them, maybe every day, maybe once a week, whatever. But you commit to praying for those three friends, family, people in your life. And the prayer that you would pray is not just that they would come to put their trust in Jesus, but a, a more a bolder prayer and a much more fun prayer is that you could pray that God would use you to help them come to know Jesus. Because the second best thing that you can do for anyone is to talk to them about Jesus. But the best thing that you can do is to talk to Jesus about them. That's the best thing you could ever do for anyone. And so players are prayers. So pick three friends and commit to praying for them. And imagine what if everyone in this room 
had three friends that they committed to praying for, just us in this room. Imagine what God might do just through us. See, Jesus didn't call you to himself and onto his team so that you could just sit on the sidelines, on the bench, as a spectator. When he calls you onto his team, he calls you into the game. When Jesus calls you to follow him, he gives you a job to do. Because we're not spectators, we're players. We don't watch what's happening, we don't watch the game, we are the game. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus and that he has called us onto his team and that he equips us and empowers us to go have a job, to go take on a mission. And Father, we do pray that you would help each one of us in this room as we play our part. Father, help us not to be on the bench, but Father, as we are built up in him, Father, we pray that we would be sent out for him and that you would use us in all kinds of ways as we love like Jesus and live like Jesus and speak about him. And Father, we pray that in all of this, he would be honoured. We pray in his name. Amen.